Ginny and Fannie Mae seize reverse mortgage funding servicing assets. Over 10 million seniors are still burdened with a monthly mortgage payment. And comparing this housing market recession to the 2008 housing crash. These are your top reverse mortgage news stories for the week of January 2nd, 2023. Happy New Year. You're listening to Heckam World Weekly, the nation's only weekly podcast for you, the reverse mortgage professional. Early last week, the Government National Mortgage Association and the Federal National Mortgage Association exercised their legal authority to seize government-insured reverse mortgages from the estate of reverse mortgage funding. And as a result, Ginny May has assumed the servicing operations of the bankrupt lender. Ginny May President Alana McCargo told Institutional Risk Analysis the transfer of servicing for RMF loans should have minimal direct impact on affected borrowers. Borrowers will receive a notification about the transfer of servicing as required by law, but that will not affect the payment schedule and borrowers should expect to continue to receive payments as usual. RMF made headlines last month when it filed bankruptcy on November 30th. Reverse Mortgage Daily reports, according to court documents filed shortly after RMF's bankruptcy declaration, the declaration constituted a default event known as a, quote, servicer termination event under the sale and servicing agreement terms of the private label securitizations. Under the terms of the sale and servicing agreements related to each of the private label securitizations upon RMF's filing for bankruptcy, certain controlling note holders have the right to replace the RMF as a servicer on the reverse mortgage loans underlying the securitizations. The Institutional Risk Analysis blog site says the unraveling of the liquidity in the reverse space began with non-agency products, which lost liquidity first and foremost as the Fed raised interest rates hundreds of basis points, widening spreads, and boosting volatility two times. This added to the pressure on the liquidity of reverse mortgage funding and the industry as a whole. Mortgage banks face an already difficult market environment due to low origination volume and increasingly selective buyers of mortgage paper, such as HECA mortgage-backed securities. The Epic Times reports over 10 million seniors are still burdened with a monthly mortgage payment. More than 10 million people across the U.S. age 65 and older are still paying off their home mortgages, even into retirement years, according to a recent report from LendingTree. LendingTree analyzed the latest U.S. Census Bureau data to review the share of homeowners 65 and older who still have a mortgage in the country's 50 largest metro areas. What they found is that 19% of those in the 65-plus age bracket are still continuing to make monthly mortgage payments and that the homes owned by 65 and plus older homeowners tend to be less valuable than those owned by the general population. San Diego, Miami, and Las Vegas led the way with the largest share of 65 and older homeowners with a mortgage. Almost 24% of homeowners in those areas are still paying off mortgage debt. Conversely, Salt Lake City, Austin, and Dallas had the smallest percentage of 65-plus homeowners owing money on their homes. Nancy Messerol, a manager at ASAP Mortgage in Croton-on-Hudson, New York, told the Epic Times that many of her clients are 65 and older, and they have seen several who are still getting mortgages, saying age has no bearing on someone getting a mortgage, even if someone is 90 years old and qualifies, he or she will get the mortgage. And some of her clients in that age range are reselling their homes and upgrading while 
Others are first-time homebuyers. People could have been renting their entire life, and with rents rising so high now, they may just be tired of dealing with continuous hikes and decide to buy something. Plus, 65 is fairly young these days, said Messerol. Many people are still working full-time well into their 70s. And in our final story for the week, I came across a column in Housing Wire entitled Comparing This Housing Market Recession to 2008. It says there are similarities and also significant differences between the housing recession we're seeing now versus the 2008 housing crash. And looking at the specific factors in both timeframes gives us an idea of what to expect in 2023 writes Logan Matahashi. Now, first, we must define what we mean by a recession, he writes. Our general economy is not yet in a recession, but housing has been in one since the summer. For me, it's straightforward. It's when we see these four things happen in any sector of our economy, and those are sales falling, second, production is falling, Third, jobs are being lost. And fourth, incomes go down. The housing market of 2002 to 2005 had four years of sales growth, which was facilitated by credit. I would add cheap credit with lax underwriting standards. The columnist notes that what is not identical is that we have not had a massive sales boom like we saw from 2002 to 5. We only had one year of growth in the purchase application data from 2020 to 2021. The COVID-19 pause and rebound meant that the end of the year in 2020 was artificially high. So I can make the case that we had a decent two years of growth, but that's all. That is significantly different than the period from 2002 to 2005 when credit expansion was booming. Then comes housing inventory, the aspect of the market where we see the biggest divergence between 2008's housing crash and today. Total housing inventory using the National Association of Realtor data stands at 1.14 million. We have a good probability over the next two existing home sales reports to break under 1 million homes in total active inventory or listings. And that would mean we will start 2023 with the second lowest level of listings ever in history. And other key things to remember, he writes, the best way to fight inflation is to create more supply. If you're trying to fight inflation by destroying demand, it's not the most effective measure and can ruin future production. Depending on how the next two years go, this will be a topic of conversation if housing permits fall over the next two years. Then there's credit. Housing Wire's column points out that that is the most significant difference between the housing recession today and the 2008 housing crash. In 2008, we saw the rise of foreclosures and bankruptcies. Those were the red flags before the job loss recession happened. Today, it's the complete opposite. The 2005 bankruptcy reform laws and the 2010 qualified mortgage laws laid the foundation for the best housing credit profiles recorded in U.S. history. So, are we in a housing recession, the column asks? Yes. Is it like 2008? No, not even close, writes the columnist. What I've showed here can explain why some of the data looks the same and why some of it is very different. This time around, we have taken a much more aggressive hit in existing home sales in a faster amount of time. We didn't see similar inventory spikes as we did from 2005 to 2008, nor has the housing credit market crashed. I would add myself, only time will tell if we're actually witnessing a housing recession or a housing crash. 
And that's a wrap for our first episode of 2023. Thank you for joining us here at Heckam World Weekly. Apple users can listen and subscribe to this podcast on iTunes. And today on HeckamWorld.com, our latest industry leader update video looks at the 10-year reverse mortgage business cycle, just where we have been and where we find ourselves today. Thank you for joining us and be sure to return next week for more reverse mortgage news, commentary, and analysis on the go.